0: Cloak and Dagger on the Air presents the second half of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving, starring Ralph Parisi, Micah Underwood, Justin Sawyer, and Dave Zineski, with a score performed by Roberta Fadausch.
1: Act 3, Scene 1, in which Ichabod tarries whilst he frolics. On a fine autumn afternoon, Ichabod, in pensive mood, sat enthroned on the lofty stool from whence he usually watched all the concerns of his little literary realm. In his hand he swayed a feral, that scepter of despotic power. The birch of justice reposed on three nails behind the throne, a constant terror to evildoers.
2: Now you, my idle urchins, have been especially ornery today. If I did not know better, and perhaps I do not, I would say Master Abraham von Brunt has rallied you against me as well. Why, look at my desk. Do you see the sundry contraband articles and prohibited weapons I have detected upon your persons today? And it's not even recess. Half-munched apples. Very good. Always so hungry. Pop guns. Whirlygigs, fly cages, and this legion of rampant little paper gamecocks.
1: Apparently there had been some appalling act of justice recently inflicted.
3: Oh, there had been, but at least he didn't talk about my cousin this
1: time. And his scholars were all busily intent upon their books, or slyly whispering behind them, with one eye kept upon the master.
2: Isn't this better, Master Vanderbore? The buzzing stillness of learning and education now reigning in my domain, this classroom? Oh, uh, oh, yes, Master Crane. The buzzing stillness of your domain is our salvation. You are becoming wiser by the day, Master Vanderbore. Master
4: Ichabod Crane is Master Ichabod Crane.
2: Get in your seat, young man, or I shall.
4: Forgive me, Master Crane, but I am here on behalf of Old Baltus Van Tassel.
2: Old Baltus sent you?
4: No. His ill-tempered but notable little wife did. She wishes to invite you to make merry with them this evening at her grand and luxurious but
2: completely humble quilting frolic. Quilting frolic? This evening? Yes, sir. And Miss Katrina, will she be there? But of course, sir. Miss Katrina will be quilting and frolicking with the rest of us. Now's my chance. Excuse me, sir. Uh, What I meant to say is, uh, I will be there. And thank old Baltus's ill-tempered but notable little wife for the invitation.
4: You're welcome, sir.
2: But it is my chance. Brom Bones would not raise himself to such a level of sophistication as a... Wilting frolic. All was now bustle and hubbub in the late quiet schoolroom. The scholars were hurried through
1: their lessons. Books were flung aside without being put away on the shelves. Inkstands were overturned, benches thrown down, and the whole school was turned loose an hour before the usual time. <laughs> bursting forth like a legion of young imps, yelping and racketing about the green and joy at their early emancipation.
2: And now To the toilet!
1: Here, Ichabod spent at least an extra half hour brushing and furbishing up his best, and indeed, only suit of rusty black, and arranging his locks by a bit of broken-looking glass that hung up in the schoolhouse.
2: Ah, Ichabod, you are indeed the gallant gentleman. I shall appear before my mistress in the true style of a cavalier.
1: But wait, something is missing. It is? Oh, yes. If you truly intend to appear before Katrina with exquisite grandiosity, you cannot do it on foot. I cannot? You cannot.
2: But I only have my feet by which to get me there. Unless Hans Van Ripper. Who? The farmer with whom I am domiciliated this week. He is quite the choleric old Dutchman. Use my horse to go where? the quilting frolic? Where? The quilting frolic. Is that legal? <laughs> Perfectly. Well I can give you his gunpowder. That broken down old plow horse? The only life he's got left in him is viciousness. I've seen him throw more than one of your farmhands. Like his master. And he's so gaunt and shagged. Why look at the ewe neck and his head. You could use it for a hammer. And his mane is rusty, his tail is tangled and knotted with burrs. He's missing an eye, even.
5: Like his master.
2: I feel like he's glaring at me, like he's a spectral. I swear, there's the gleam of a genuine devil in it. Like
5: his master.
2: But you have at least six other steed of greater strength and nobler appearance.
5: Gunpowder's all I can give you, and don't you judge him, none. For he had fire and metal in his day, like his master. I was a furious rider in the day, boy, and infused him with my spirit. There's more of the lurking devil in him than, than any young filly in this here countryside. So you best return before the hoot owl returns to his nest. You hear me, boy? Oh, yes, sir, Master Van Ripper. Uh, yes, sir. And if you get arrested, have the constable return him to me. Never heard of a frolic that end up with some jail time.
1: It was toward evening that Ichabod arrived at the castle of old Baltas van Tassel, which he found thronged with the pride and flower of the adjacent country. Old farmers, a spare leathern-faced race, in homespun coats and breeches, blue stockings, huge shoes, and magnificent pewter buckles.
4: Hey there, school teach.
1: They're brisk, withered little dames in close-crimped caps, long-waisted short gowns, homespun petticoats with scissors and pin cushions, and gay calico pockets hanging on the outside.
6: Salutations, Ichabod! Salutations. Salutations! Oh, just a word, icky. I, I mean, icky taught me.
1: <laughs> Buxom lasses, almost as antiquated as their mothers, accepting where a straw hat, a fine ribbon, or perhaps a white frock, gave symptoms of city innovation.
6: Oh. Oh, dance with us please
1: The sons in short square skirted coats with rows of stupendous brass buttons and their hair generally queued in the fashion of the times especially if they could procure an eel skin for the purpose it being esteemed throughout the country as a potent nourisher and strengthener of the hair Icky cream. Rom Bones, however, was the hero of the scene, having come to the gathering on his favorite steed, Daredevil, a creature like himself, full of metal and mischief, and which no one but himself could manage.
7: Oh, Daredevil! You are suitably vicious, as if I'm in constant rick of my neck, just how I like him, the rock gun of your species. Look at him, Daredevil, the schoolmaster. Does he dance like Brom will dance? No. Does he charm the bevy of books and lasses around him like Brom will charm? No. What does he do? He eats! He wages ample justice upon each danty as if they were one of his pupils. Watch how he devours the doughty donuts, the tender, oily cakes, the crisp and crumbly crawlers, the sweet cakes, the short cakes, the ginger cakes, the honey cakes, the apple pies, the peach pies, the pumpkin pies, the ham and spread beef, the dishes, the plums, the pears, and quinces, the brown, shattered, roasted chickens. And they say rum is disgusting and uncouth. But tonight, they will see. She
2: will see. Oh, who be you? I uh, 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 you uh, uh, huh?
3: uh, right? Oh, it's you, Ichabod, my boy. And I'd recognize you anywhere mingling, higgly piggly amongst my banquet of dainties.
2: Oh, yes, Mr. Old Bogus. And what I saying, how grateful I am for the generosity of your invitation.
3: I didn't catch a word of that on account of the crumbs cascading from your cake hole. But old Baltus, he could tell your heart is dilating in proportion to your skin, being filled with good cheer and your spirit is high from eating as some of these old farmers are here from drinking. Say, <laughs> have you seen my piazza? <laughs> Now, now, old Baltus, he did not mean to brag
2: about his family. As old Baltus chattered on and as
1: Ichabod's large eyes rolled round him as he ate, he kept thinking to himself,
2: Yes, Ichabod, one day you will be lord of all this scene, of this unimaginable luxury and splendor. Then I'll turn my back upon the old schoolhouse, snap my fingers in the face of Hans Van River and every other parsimonious patron, and kick any itinerant pedagogue out of doors that should dare to call me. Me, comrade. <laughs> well,
3: my boy, I had better move on to my other guest. For looks <laughs> like these make old vaultus as round and jolly as the harvest they do. Now, you fall to and help yourself to as many more of these daintities as you lack. And don't forget to check out my pre-action. perfect. No.
1: And now the sounds of the music from the common room, or hall, summoned to the dance. Ah,
2: Katrina... I've been looking for you.
0: By way of the danishes and pies.
2: Oh, ha, a a minor distraction compared to your company, my dear. I, I did not wish to monopolize you from the second I entered your father's domain.
0: Oh, how considerate of you, Ichabod. I mean, icky.
2: Care to dance with me? Dare say my dancing is almost as profound as my vocal powers.
0: Well then, as my ears hear your voice for days after, I suppose my feet will feel your dance for many days after.
2: I warn you not to limb, not a fiber of my being is idle when I take to the floor.
0: Little wonder with Your loosely hung frame. Ah,
2: there are advantages to being a lanky crane and not a bulky brawn, wouldn't you say? People see me dance and think that blessed patron of the dance, and Saint Vitus was figuring before them in person.
0: I feel like I'm clattering, not dancing.
1: And how could Ichabod be otherwise than animated and joyous? The lady of his heart was his partner in the dance, and smiling graciously in reply to all his amorous oglings. However, off by himself in one corner sat one Bram Bones, sorely smitten with love and jealousy. Look at that prancing
7: trigger, stealing my pride away. Even my boo companions are smitten by his bull scutterings. The filching cove only makes me want to drink. <coughs> what is this old baltus is serving? <coughs> Why? Where's the equality rock gut?
2: Finally. Why, thank you, thank you, thank you. I say, uh, what goes on in the piazza?
0: What doesn't go on in the piazza? Well, it
2: appears your father has gathered together a knot of the sager
0: folks? No doubt they're gossiping over former times. Long, drawn-out stories about the war.
2: Fascinating.
0: Fiction! They dress up all of their tales because they can barely remember who did what during the war, or who fought which battle, or who was at this scene of marauding, or who performed which act of border chivalry. They're nothing but refugees and cowboys who make themselves the heroes of their exploits.
2: Fascinating. Shall we? Oh,
3: Old Baltus, he remembers the story of Dafoe Martin, the large blue-bearded Dutchman.
0: Who had nearly taken a British frigate. With an old iron nine-pounder from a mud breastwork. Only that his gun burst at the fifth discharge. Oh, was it the seventh? No, it was the sixth. Which is it? You heard him. The fifth, the seventh, or the sixth? He's never sure. All the time. I can top that one, old Baltus. Oh, oh. top one of old Baltus's
4: story? Here? In his own piazza? Remember that, old gentleman? Who? I promise I'd never tell. He shall remain nameless. Oh. And why? Ah, Too rich a mine to have his name so lightly mentioned. Old Baltus is rich he is. Ah, but not like this rich fella. He was an excellent master of defense, and in the Battle of White Plains he parried a musket ball with a small sword, insomuch that he absolutely felt it whiz round the blade and glance off at the hilt.
0: In proof of which he was ready at any time to show the sword, with the hilt a little bent.
3: Oh, there were others who were equally as great in the field there were. Old Baltus among them. Why, old Baltus, he played a considerable hand in bringing the war to a happy termination he did. Why, you old codger, I was the one who ended it. I was the rich
4: miner who should not be lightly mentioned. (gasps) Oh, I was. I I
5: ended that
0: war. And this is how it goes, every time.
5: Well, the lot of you may have ended the war. But have any of you ever stared down... Until
0: one of them mentions... The
2: Headless
5: Horseman?
0: <laughs> Check.
2: The Headless Horseman? I, I believe I've heard of this fellow.
5: Who hasn't? You mean you stared down the Headless Horseman? No, but I know of one who tried. <gasps> but how could he stare him down when the
3: Horseman has no head? Where goes his eyes?
2: Uh, uh. Oh,
3: Bottice... He don't like these stories about a headless horseman, he don't. Old Boutis prefers the woman in white. She who haunts the dark land at Raven Rock. Why, Old Boutis has heard her shriek on winter nights before a storm he has. Old Boutis likes the woman in white. Well, well,
5: how are they? Who was this man of boldness and bravery? Major Andre. And to this day, the morning cries and wail as the his defeat can be and his visage seen about the great tree among the graves in the churchyard. Oh, 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 oh. Funeral trains. Let's, let's tell a funeral trains,
3: old Baltus. He wants a funeral train when he passes on, he does. Oh, the headless horseman. Well, he's been heard of several times of late. I hear tell for the country. Why, I hear he heathers his horse nightly to that great tree. Oh. oh.
4: By the church? That church sits there all sequestered from civilization. No wonder it is a favorite haunt of troubled spirits. I hear he favors the wooden
3: bridge. Whoa. Oh, old, old Baltus, he uses that wooden bridge over that deep black part of the stream. Even in daytime, I mean the overhanging trees thickly shade it and cast a gloom all around. He gives old Baltus the goosey pimples it does. Oh, beware then, old Baltus, lest you become like old Brower, who is a heretical disbeliever in ghosts. Oh. Old to be nothing like Old Browner, except for the bees and the cogniments. Your what?
2: Names. Oh. Oh. Why, Old Brower met the horseman
3: returning from his foray into Sleepy Hollow. Old Brower was obliged to get up behind him. How they galloped over bush and brake, over hill and swamp, until they reached the bridge, when the horseman suddenly turned into a skeleton through threw Old Brower to the brook. And sprang away over the treetops with a clap of thunder! Oh, boy.
7: You old men fly though like bubbling jocks!
3: <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? Oh, it'd be the headless horseman himself! Right here in old Baltis' Piazza! He'd be haunting old Baltish! But how? He's headless! Where goes his mouth?
7: I said that, From bones. bones. Old Brower was a coward! Oh. Whoa! Well, old
3: Brower be a coward! It would be old Baltish, hmm? Right? This gives me pause for a little bit of self-reflection, if
7: I don't mind so. The galloping Hessian is nothing more than an errant jockey. (gasps) And how do you know this,
5: Brom Bones?
7: How else? I saw him with my own two eyes. (gasps) One night I was returning from Sing Sing when I was overtaken by this midnight trooper. But was I cowed? No, No, he he was was not cowed. cowed. Right on keeping, companions. Instead, what did I do? Oh, Brom! He offered a race with him for a bowl of punch. Oh. Uh-huh. And I should have won it, too, for Daredevil to beat the goblin horse all hollow. <gasps> <laughs>
5: but, but just as it came to the church bridge, the heshe bolted. Oh, oh, yeah. Bolted?
7: He bolted. Vanished in a flash of fire, he did. Brom Bones.
2: <laughs> Gavin and spinach, I say!
7: Who dares interrupt such revelry in my name?
2: I do, Abraham.
7: The schoolmaster. the schoolmaster. The
2: schoolmaster! I cannot allow you to poke bogey in this way. Oh, you cannot, can you? Oh, you, you cannot, cannot, can, can you? you? I cannot. Your story is hardly believable, for I am an expert on these matters. An expert,
7: you say, just because you can quote Cotton Mather. Mather! Mather. Well, yes. And because you come from Connecticut. Many marvelous events have taken place in my native state. And because you clamber home like a white-levered periwinkle every time a firefly crosses your path or a blockhead beetle goes
2: boom. Well, I have seen many fearful sights on my nightly walks about Sleepy Hollow. Ah!
7: So the
0: flogger of urchins. He who lords over his one-room domain with a rod and a staff to pummel them. He who drones on about his superior mind and voice. He who views himself as better than all of us while he eats freely from our cupboards. He himself would be loath to face down the headless... Horseman,
2: Katrina.
0: I have only one thing to say to that,
2: Brom Bones. Katrina.
0: Brom. 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 Brom.
2: Brom. Katrina, what are you doing?
0: Brom. You must ask. Brom. This was the most. Sighting, quilting frolic father and my ill-tempered, but notable little mother have ever grown. And it is all because of you.
2: But they are making light of me. And they are entertaining me. (laughs) Good night, Ichabod.
0: I mean, Eke.
1: The revel gradually broke up and the late scene of noise and frolic became all silent and deserted. Ichabod only lingered behind according to the custom of country lovers to have a -a tete-a-tete with the heiress fully convinced in spite of her little performance for the crowd that he was now on the high road to success. (laughs) What passed at this interview I will not pretend to say for in fact I do not know. Something, however, I fear me, must have gone wrong, for he certainly sallied forth after no very great interval with an
2: air quite desolate and chapfallen. Oh, these women! These women! And here I thought she had been playing off any of her coquettish tricks! Was her encouragement of me the poor pedagogue all a mere sham to secure her conquest of Brom? Heaven only knows, not I!
1: Let it suffice to say, Ichabod stole forth with the air of one who had been sacking a hen roost rather than a fair lady's heart. Without looking to the right or left to notice the scene of rural wealth on which he had so often gloated, he went straight to the stable and with several hearty cuffs and kicks (laughs) roused his steed most uncourteously from the, uncom- from the comfortable quarters in which he was soundly sleeping dreaming of mountains of corn and oats and whole valleys of timothy and clover act three scene two in which Ichabod Crane tarries no longer in Tarrytown it was the very witching time of night that Ichabod heavy hearted and crestfallen pursued his travels homewards along the sides of the lofty hills which rise above Terrytown, and which he had traversed so cheerily in the afternoon. This hour is
2: as dismal as I am.
1: Far below him, the Tappan Zee spread its dusky and indistinct waste of waters, with here and there the tall mast of a sloop, riding quietly at anchor under the land. In the dead hush of midnight, he could even hear the barking of the watchdog, from the opposite shore of the Hudson. But it was so vague and faint as only to give an idea of his distance from this faithful companion of man. Now and then, too, the long-drawn crowing of a cock, accidentally awakened, would sound far, far off from some farmhouse away among the hills, but it was like a dreaming sound in his ear. No signs of life occurred near him, Occasionally, the melancholy chirp of a cricket or perhaps the guttural twang of a bullfrog from a neighboring marsh, well, as if sleeping uncomfortably and turning suddenly in his bed.
2: White-livered periwinkle indeed.
1: All the stories of ghosts and goblins that he had heard in the afternoon now came crowding upon his recollection.
2: As if Brom Bones' tall tale is anything short of a lie. Whatever it is, he speaks out of ignorance. After all, I am the foremost expert on the supernatural. The night grew darker
1: and darker. The stars seemed to sink deeper in the sky, and driving clouds occasionally hid them from his sight. He had never felt so lonely and dismal.
2: And here we are, the very place where many of those ghost stories and their related scenes had been laid. And here I am with nary a goose pimple or a shiver to betray any iota of fear. It is a lovely spot, peaceful. I adore how that enormous tulip tree towers like a giant above all the other trees in this neighborhood. Much like myself, it even forms a kind of landmark. Alas, its limbs remind me of my lot in life, gnarled and fantastic, large enough to form trunks for all the ordinary trees twisting down to the earth, even as they rise again into the air. And yet,
1: Ichabod, you know this enormous tulip tree was connected with the tragical story of the unfortunate Major Andre, who had been taken prisoner hard by. And this tree is universally known by the name Uh, of... Major
2: Andre's tree, yes, Mm -hmm. yes. The common people, regarded with a mixture of respect and uh, superstition, partly out of sympathy for the fate of its ill-starred namesake, and partly from the tales of strange sights and doleful lamentations told concerning it. But they're the common people.
1: Ah, I see you're singing to yourself again, as you tend to do when you're frightened.
2: Whistling? Not singing, there is a difference. What was that? What was what? There, the tree. It's answering my whistle. It's but a blast, but it sweeps sharply through the dry branches. What is that? What is what? Don't you see it? Something white. Hanging in the midst of the tree. Uh, 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 oh, Ichabod, you are allowing those tales of this evening to overtake you. Uh, it's nothing more than a place where the tree had been scathed by lightning and, and the white wood laid bare.
1: Ah! What now?
2: Did, did, did you hear that that groan?
1: Now look closer, Ichabod. Ah, uh, uh.
2: oh it it is but the rubbing of one huge bough upon another as they're swayed about by the breeze (laughs) silly me (laughs) giddy up gunpowder
1: (laughs) ichabod passed the tree in safety but new perils lay before him about two hundred yards in front of him actually there, a small brook crossed the road and ran into a marshy and thickly wooded glen, known by the name of... The Wiley
2: Swamp, yes, yes, yes. A, a few rough logs are laid side by side and serve for a bridge over this stream, most convenient.
1: Yes, but notice, on that side of the road, where the brook enters the wood, a group of oaks and chestnuts matted
2: thick with wild grapevines. Oh, notice how... Uh, throw they- a cavernous gloom over it, yes, 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 but... The common people feel passing this bridge is the severest trial. Uh, It was at this identical spot that the unfortunate Andre was captured, and under the covert of those chestnuts and vines were the sturdy yeoman concealed who surprised him.
1: Ever since, this has been considered a haunted stream, and fearful are the feelings of the schoolboy who have had to pass it alone after dark. Uh, But I am no schoolboy. I am a... Schoolmaster? Precisely. What is that? What is what? Is that your heart we're hearing? My heart? <laughs> now who's hearing things? Oh, perhaps you are a little fearful, Ichabod. Ridiculous. Perhaps you are summoning up all your resolution. Giddy up, gunpowder! We must dash briskly
2: across that bridge! Giddy up! <laughs> No, you perverse old animal, not the broadside against the fence, but across the bridge! Ichabod, and, uh,
1: whose fears increased uh, with the delay, jerked uh, the reins on the other uh, side and kicked uh, lustily uh, with the contrary foot. It was all in vain. His steed started, it is true, but it was only to plunge to the opposite side of the road into a thicket of alder bushes
2: and. Yeah! Cramples! You had to charge right into Brambles. I didn't want to whip you, Gunpowder, but whip you I shall. Ah, much like I whip my charges, for you must cross that bridge. What are you doing, you filthy beast? I said cross the bridge, not just stand by it. what have you done? You've done it now, Gunpowder. I don't care how starveling your ribs are. I am going to whip your... What was that? Did you hear it? I did. A plashy tramp on that side of the bridge. Oh, why must my ears be so sensitive? What is that? Do you see it? I do. Over there, in the dark shadow of the grove, on the margin of the brook. Huge, misshapen, towering.
1: The figure barely stirred. But seemed gathered up in the gloom like some gigantic monster ready to spring upon the traveler the hair of the affrighted pedagogue rose upon his head with terror
2: what is to be done i, I cannot turn and fly it is too late besides what chance have i of escaping ghosts or goblin,
1: if such it is
2: why, why such a being could ride upon the wings of the wind summoning up therefore a show of
1: courage Ichabod demanded in stammering accents,
2: Who, who, who are, are you? Did you not hear me? Who are you? Yeah! Giddy up, gunpowder! Giddy up! You won't answer me either. You're as inflexible as that specter! A mighty fortress is far gone!
1: <laughs> Just then, the shadowy object of alarm put itself in motion, and with a scramble and a bound, stood at once in the middle of the road. John I beg you, please! Giddy up! Though the night was dark and dismal, yet the form of the unknown might now in some degree be ascertained he appeared to be a horseman of large dimensions mounted on a black horse of powerful frame he made no offer of molestation or sociability but kept aloof on one side of the road jogging along on the blind side of old gunpowder who had now got over his fright and waywardness
2: sir i thank you for accompanying me at this hour but I assure you, I have no relish for a strange midnight companion. Let us part ways and retire to our respective abodes. <laughs> Perhaps Bones wasn't entirely afield in describing his encounter. Perhaps the only way to divest myself of you is to... Race! Giddy up, almighty steed, and let us leave this spectre behind! <laughs> show, Gunpowder. Good show. Like the wind we whirl and blow, leaving Satan's minion high in the mist. What's this? He equals my pace. If, if that is his charade, then we have other cards to deal, Gunpowder. Whoa! Whoa, I say whoa! That's it, boy. Just a nice, slow walk. We'll lag behind, and, I-
1: The other did the same. Ichabod's heart began to sink within him. As Ichabod attempted to resume his psalm tune, but found he could not utter a stave for his parched tongue clove to the roof of his mouth, he noticed something in the moody and dogged silence of this pertinacious companion that was mysterious and appalling. It was soon fearfully accounted for. On mounting a rising ground, which brought the figure of his fellow traveler in relief against the sky, he found it to be gigantic in height and muffled in a cloak. Ichabod was horror struck on perceiving that.
7: He is indeed endless!
1: But his horror was still more increased on observing that... Yeah, he's carrying
2: his head before him on the pommel of his saddle! His
1: terror rose to desperation.
2: Yeah, yeah, get me,
1: Gunpowder! Get me! He rained a shower of kicks and blows upon Gunpowder, hoping by a sudden movement to give his companion a slip. But the specter started full jump with him. Away then they dashed through thick and thin, stones flying and sparks flashing at every bound. Ichabod's flimsy garments fluttered in the air as he stretched his long-legged body away over his horse's head in the
2: eagerness of his flight.
4: Up ahead is the road
2: that leads to Sleepy Hollow. We'll take that road and... Gunpowder, are you possessed with a demon? The turnoff is in the opposite... No, no, not downhill, not this road!
1: For this road wound through a sandy hollow shaded by trees for about a a quarter of a mile where it...
2: Crosses the bridge from the goblin story!
1: And just beyond swelled the green knoll on which stood... The church! And... The graveyard! As yet the panic of the steed had given his unskillful rider an apparent advantage in the chase but just as he had got halfway through the hollow, the girths of the saddle gave way. Oh, easy boy, easy. It's slipping from under me. He seized it by the pommel and endeavored to hold it firm, but in vain, and had just time to save himself by clasping old gunpowder around the neck when the saddle fell to the earth and he
2: heard it trampled underfoot by his pursuer. Hans, the river's wrath will be upon me. That was his Sunday saddle! Oh, God. What am I thinking? This is no time for petty fears. The goblin is hard on my haunches, and I can barely stay on Hans Van Ripper's feet. Indeed, he had much ado to maintain <laughs> his seat. Sometimes
1: slipping on one side, sometimes on another, and sometimes jolted on the high ridge of his, his horse's backbone with a violence that he verily feared would cleave him asunder. But he quickly was cheered when he glimpsed. Oh, An opening in the
2: trees up ahead. Uh, the, the church bridge must be at hand. <laughs> and there's the brook. I see the wavering reflection of a single silver star in his bosom. Giddy up, gunpowder! FASTER MY gallant STEED! Whoa! whoa. Not that fast, boy! I can barely... And now
1: Ichabod found himself in the peculiar position of doing what few other riders, especially ones as unskilled as he, had done. He was riding the old steed upside down. Whoa, Whoa! Wait!
2: Don't whoa! I see By sheer force of will he readjusted himself I see the walls of the church dimly glaring beyond those trees This is where Brombo said his ghostly competitor had disappeared Faster gunpowder, faster If I can but reach that bridge, I am safe
1: Just then he heard the black steed panting and blowing close behind him He even fancied that he felt his hot breath Giddy up Gunpowder to the bridge! Old Gunpowder sprang upon the bridge and thundered over the resounding planks. He
2: gained the opposite side. Has he vanished? According to the rule, he must vanish in a flash of fire and brimstone. Ah!
1: Just then, he saw the goblin rising in his stirrups. Ah! He's hurling his head at me! Ichabod endeavored to dodge the horrible missile, but too late, it encountered his cranium with a tremendous crash. He was tumbled headlong into the dust, and Gunpowder, the Black Steed, and the Goblin Rider passed by like a whirlwind.
5: Ah. Well, there you are, my gallant steed. Dining at your master's gate. What what, what? what has happened to you? No saddle, bridle under your feet. Oh, and a cursed schoolmaster. Smarter than a lot of us, he thinks he is. But can he return a horse properly? Wait till I get my weather-beaten hands round his throat. He'll be lucky to scarf down a piece of bread for breakfast.
1: But Ichabod did not make his appearance at breakfast. Dinner hour came, but no Ichabod. The boys assembled at the schoolhouse and strolled idly about the banks of the brook. But no schoolmaster. Say, boy!
5: Who, me? Yes, you. Have you seen the schoolmaster? Well, my bum is not on fire, sir. What does that mean? Yeah, no, sir. What about your classmates?
2: Well, they have not, Master Van Ripper. Well, we sat in the schoolhouse awaiting him, but he never showed. So we took our whirly gigs and paper gamecocks off of his desk and went home. It was the best, long stay ever.
5: I must confess, Gunpowder, I'm beginning to feel some uneasiness about the fate of poor Ichabod and my Sunday saddle.
1: An inquiry was set on foot, and after diligent investigation, they came upon his traces. In one part of the road leading to the church was found
5: my Sunday saddle trampled in the dirt
1: and the tracks of horses' hoofs.
5: by account
4: of the locals deeply dented in the road
7: and evidently at
1: furious speed
7: these hooves
1: were traced to the bridge
7: beyond which on the bank of a broad part of the brook where the water ran deep and black was found the hat of the unfortunate Ichabod and close
1: beside it a shattered shattered pumpkin. pumpkin The brook was searched, but the body of the schoolmaster was not to be discovered.
5: Not only does he desecrate my Sunday saddle, but he declares me executor of his estate. <laughs> what an unfathomable inconvenience.
3: Oh, well. Now, old Balthus, he not be greedy or nothing. He not be. But I always be looking for some new items to store in my piazza. I always be. You want this junk? Oh, old this he wants everyone's junk he does. although he prefers to call it... Worldly effects. More
5: respect that way, you see? Whatever. You can have it all for the price of a new Sunday saddle. Done. Old Balthus, he has many Sunday saddles. No brag, just fact. Now, what do you got there? Yeah, tai ain't much. Two sh- two shirts and a half. Oh,
3: those be nice. Especially the half. Old Balthus likes to bear his midship in the hot throes of summer. Hmm.
5: Two stocks for the neck, uh, a pair of two of worsted stockings. An old pair of corduroy small clothes, a rusty razor... Oh, old
3: Bautist needs a
5: rusty razor! A book of song tunes full of dog's ears and a broken pitch pipe.
3: Oh, old Bautist never smoked himself an old pitch pipe before. First time for everything, I suppose.
1: (laughs) As to the books and furniture of the schoolhouse, they belong to the community, excepting Cotton Mather's History of Witchcraft a New England almanac, and a book of dreams and fortune-telling, in which last was a sheet of fool's cap, much scribbled and blotted in several fruitless attempts to make a copy of verses in honor of the heiress of Van Tassel.
3: Oh, burn him, burn him, old bout to say. He don't much like to read none, he don't, except in my checkbook. <laughs> no
5: brag, just fact. You don't have to tell me twice, you know, poor fool. See, see what comes of all this reading and writing? Oh, nothing but
3: desolation and despair. Knowledge. Old Baltish always say it be the fruit
5: of all evil he knew. Never gonna send my urchins to school again, I'll tell you that. A wise man you are, just like old Baltish. Sir sure.
3: You can't join me in my piazza later where we can smoke this here pipe, huh?
1: The mysterious event caused much speculation. Uh, at the church on the following Sunday. Knots of gazers and gossips were collected in the churchyard, at the bridge, and at the spot where the hat and pumpkin had been found.
6: It's just like the story of old Brower. Oh, there's no doubt about it. He he was carried off by the gallop in Hessian. You think we should mourn him or something? Why? He was a bachelor. He didn't leave behind a wife or children. He was in nobody's debt. Why trouble our heads any more about him? He was nice while he lasted. Besides, I hear they're moving the school to a different part of the hollow. It will be like he was never here. And I hear they're bringing another pedagogue to take his place. Oh, really? Is he handsome? Very. And you know what's even better? He sings more than just one hymn. Providence Providence be praised!
1: It is true, an old farmer who had been down to New York on a visit several years after, and from whom this account of the ghostly adventure was received, brought home the intelligence that Ichabod Crane was still alive, that he had left the neighborhood partly through fear of the goblin and Hans von Ripper, and partly in mortification at having been suddenly dismissed by the heiress that he had changed his quarters to a distant part of the country, had kept school and studied law at the same time, had been admitted to the bar, turned politician, electioneered, written for the newspapers, and finally had been made a justice of the ten-pound court. It is true that the old farmer relayed such news. As for Brom Bones... Brom Bones!
7: Thank you! Yes, it's true that shortly after my rival's disappearance, I conducted the Blooming Katrina in triumph to the altar.
0: <laughs> what can I say? I'm bored, the pickings are slim, and I must have babies. At least that's what father tells me.
3: Oh, old Baltish. He wants to be a granddaddy, he do.
1: <laughs> the old country wives, however... Wait a second. Yes? Ask me about the pumpkin. Oh,
7: yes, Yes, ask him, him, ask him.
1: him. The pumpkin. You mean the smashed pumpkin that was found the morning after Ichabod's disappearance?
7: Yes, ask me.
1: Very well. What about the smashed pumpkin? You mean the smashed
7: pumpkin that was found the morning after the icky crane's disappearance?
1: Yes. (laughs) Which is why some were led to suspect that Brom Bones knew more about the matter of Ichabod Crane than he chose to tell. The old country wives, however, who are the best judges of these matters, maintain to this day that Ichabod was spirited away by supernatural means.
6: Just like my Hiram used to say. Oh,
1: well, what did your Hiram used to say?
6: We don't talk about that, Dietrich. Do be a good boy, though, and check those apples, please. We don't want to overcook them. We do have our hearts set on Dutch apple pie.
1: I had to fall for it. The legend of Sleepy Hollow is a favorite story often told about the neighborhood round the winter fire evenings. The bridge became more than ever an object of superstitious awe, and that may be the reason why the road has been altered of late years so as to approach the church by the border of the mill pond. The schoolhouse being deserted soon fell to decay, and was reported to be haunted by the ghost of the unfortunate pedagogue, and the plowboy, loitering homeward of a still summer evening, has often fancied his voice at a distance, chanting a melancholy psalm tuned among the tranquil solitudes. Sleepy Hollow.
6: And so closes Cloak and Dagger on the Air's presentation of Washington Irving's 1820 short story, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. It was adapted for our production by Pete Fernbaugh, who also portrayed Dietrich Knickerbocker. Our cast included Dave Zaneski as Dippy Dempsey, who played Old Baltus Van Tassel. Michael Labashak as Katrina Van Tassel, Bethany Fernbaugh, Emily Hores, and Carissa Martin as the housewives, Country Damsels and Old Dutch Wives, Noah Hilton as Wee Willie Van Der Boon Companion number no. 1, Old Gentleman number no. 2, and Authentic Historian number no. 1. Rob DeSantis as Boon Companion No. 2, Hans Van Ripper and Old Gentleman No. 3, Brendan Sheehan as Boon Companion Numbers 3 and 4, The Servant and Old Gentleman Number 1, and in their debut performances with Cloak & Dagger on the air, Justin Swoyer as Brom Bones, the Headless Horseman and Authentic Historian Number 2, and Ralph Parisi as Ichabod Crane. Our score was performed by Roberta Fadausch, and our sound effects were pro- provided by the Holy Foley Molies. Teresa Martin is our sound effects director, and Shane Meredith, our sound manager.
7: Today's episode and all episodes of Cloak & Dagger on the Air can be heard on Midnight Scario, a podcast devoted to seeing reality through the third eye. Midnight Scario can be found on iTunes and Stitcher, and don't forget to like and follow their Facebook page.
3: The Cloak & Dagger on the Air theme, The Sealed Kingdom, is an original composition by Adrian von Ziegler and used with permission of the artist. Adrian's work can be found on iTunes and YouTube.
2: Cloak and Dagger on the air is a presentation of future past productions. Our acting troupe is the Wayward Saints. Pete Fernbaugh is our writer and executive producer. All original material in this program is copyright 2019, Pete Fernbaugh. And all original music is copyright 2019, Roberta Fidausch.
6: For more information on upcoming Cloak and Dagger productions, please like and follow our Facebook page. Just search for The Ohio Valley Cloak and Dagger Company.
0: And join us tonight, Saturday, October 26th at 7 p.m. at the Weirton Area Museum and Cultural Center for another production of Cloak and Dagger on the Air. This one titled Nevermore, in which we'll present adaptations of several Edgar Allan Poe stories and poems. R.J. Gaudio, Troubadour, will provide a set list of classic Americana music beginning at 6.15.
4: And on Friday, November 22nd at 7 p.m. at the Ashley Marie Performing Arts Center, we'll present Holmes and Watson in the Red-Headed League starring John E. Riley as Sherlock Holmes and Robert Gaudio as Dr. John Watson.
1: Special thanks to Jen Sesta and the main library of the public library of Steubenville in Jefferson County for hosting Cloak and Dagger on the air this month. And thank you so much for listening. Until next time, we remain your obedient servants. Good day.